0: Yeah, it's your boy Ray Ray on the mic. Let's go. Mic check, mic check. Welcome to On the Mic with Ray White, where we share life lessons, encourage self-reflection, and equip you to take action. My name is Ray White, and I am juiced that you're taking time to listen to this episode today. And I'm so excited because I got an interview for you. Yes, my boy. Good friend of mine from college, we go way back. Jameer Abney came onto the came onto the mic. Had a great opportunity to interview him and talk a little bit about his experience as a college athlete, some of his things that he's doing and the work that he's doing up at Colgate University in higher education, and just how his identity and how his experience all helps culminate into creating a legacy and developing a pathway for underrepresented students to receive success and achieve success through higher ed or whatever endeavor they choose to enter into and i'm super excited that jameer took the time to to interview to be interviewed for this episode because he is an impactful leader in his lane in his space with higher education and what he shares greatly can impact you in the lanes that in the in the lanes and the areas you are involved in in your community so, I don't want to take too much time from the episode, but before we get into it, be sure to follow me at Ray Devante, that's R A Y D E V A N T E, on all social media platforms and the OTM podcast at OTM Podcast on Instagram. So, make sure you follow me there. And then while you're there, please, as you're listening to this episode, take a screenshot, let me know what you think. Tell me some of the nuggets and things that you pulled out of it as lessons for you that you plan on applying to your context and to your space. And give a shout out to Jameer too for taking the time to share a little bit about his expertise in in higher education. So let's go ahead and dive into this episode titled, Willing to Take Risk, featuring Jameer Abney. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the On The Mic community. I'm super excited to have a good friend, true friend of mine, that uh, we go way back. We go way back, about 10 years, 10, 11, 12 years. uh, The one and only Jameer Abney. Jameer, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, man, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yes, yes. Jameer, I'm so excited that we finally got the opportunity to get you on the mic, man. Um, I'm excited because you have a great story, uh, and especially some of the work that you're doing now for underrepresented youth and Black and Brown students all across America uh, and doing some great work in that space. But what I, before we get into that piece and, and highlight some of the great work you're doing there, what I want to touch on is our first connection. <laughs> first connection, uh, you and I, you we know go back, we met at Willamette University up in Salem, Oregon, uh, played football together. We, played fraternity. we hung out in the same circles and things of that nature. Um, what I want to know, uh, is just how you got connected to Willamette. Like, tell me a little bit about how you got into that space. Um, and then we'll talk about some of the, some of the, uh, memories, the key memories we got, uh, by being in the school together. So how'd you get to Willamette?
1: Man, so first 10, 10 plus years. Wow. (laughs) That's, that's crazy. But, but yeah, uh, Willamette came on my radar actually because of, uh, the football recruitment process. Um, it wasn't a school that I knew much about, but I uh, had the opportunity actually because of my coach in high school um, helping me build out my list. Um, he put Willamette on my list as a potential school that might be a good fit for me and had the opportunity to go down, do a visit of the campus. I um, really fell in love with it. Coach Beckman and um, the coaching staff and some of the people that I met um, over my uh, overnight trip that I had down there uh, felt like it would be a great opportunity for me, both from a a uh, student athlete perspective, but also just from an academic, intellectual and community perspective. Um, it was far enough away from home, but close enough that I could get back um, if I needed to, um, being about four and a half hours from where I went to high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, um, just even getting recruited to play college football shocked me um, quite a bit, which I know we'll get into as we move forward, but just really um, through the football recruitment process was how I learned about Willamette and as they say, when I visited, it just felt like the right fit. Interesting, interesting. Well,
0: <laughs> what I'm fascinated by is your just last statement saying, like, you didn't think you were going to be recruited. But if we look at your stats, in high school, you went to Burlington High School. Uh, shout out to Burlington, Burlington, Washington. Uh, you were a thousand-yard rusher, <laughs> bro. Like, that's, I mean, that's a lot of yards to be trucking on the field. <laughs> you know? Uh,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. It's crazy. You made the All-Star Game, you know, Eastern West All-Star Game. You're a three-time All-League one uh, at the all region running back. I mean, just putting up those types of numbers and types of stats to not think that you'd be recruited. I mean, what, what what was your thought process? Why didn't you think that you, you put so much success on the field and you would be doing really good, you know, in the four, four years of high school that you didn't think you'd be recruited?
1: Oh, man. Well, first of all, the Bremerton team was not traditionally very good. In fact, when I got there and I moved there, actually, during my freshman year, the team hadn't won a game in nearly four years at all. Mm-hmm. And so not winning, I'm just like, well, you don't get recruited if your team is trash. Like, <laughs> no matter what you do personally, I was like, nobody's going to be looking at me because we're not good enough to get scouts out here. Right. But actually, one of the interesting moments for me is I'll go back a little bit further. I um, grew up in North Carolina, and actually the very first year I played football ever, uh, organized anyway, was my uh, eighth grade year. And I remember after that very first year playing football, my coach, his name is Coach Emerson, pulled me aside. He's like, hey, young man, like really great season. You played you play really hard. He's like, honestly, you could have a future in this game. And so that uh, was kind of the first place where I thought about like college even as an opportunity in terms of sports. Mm-hmm. Because really for me, um, I'd always knew I wanted to go to college, but I didn't necessarily think athletics would be the avenue that would go there. Unfortunately, um, in my freshman year, I moved out to, to Washington, transitioned a bit, but was able to, even though I wasn't on a good team, as you said, put up some pretty good personal stats, have the opportunity to compete at a, at a state level and get recognized and be able to go on and play, play in college. So I just had never heard of someone from a team that wasn't very good from a wins and losses standpoint, be able to get recruited and go on and, and have those opportunities.
0: So let's go ahead and jump right into college then. So you experienced quite a bit in college. You got the, now an opportunity to play college ball. Tell us some of the key memories and highlights that and that you learned while playing college football and even share so just some of the things that you learned about yourself during that process.
1: Yeah, one of the biggest things I think I took away was just how much more of a thought process, the analytical aspect of college versus high school in particular, um, Coach Beckman's offense took a lot of adjustments on the fly, really having to understand the different positions and what different people are doing, and just, like, really being um, a thinker on the field more so than I had ever had to do in the past. And the second thing I think is important to note is just the quality of, of the athletes um, and bringing in terms of talent and athleticism onto the field. I think a lot of times um, people think, oh, you're Division three or Division two. you didn't play. At the Division I level, and a scholarship athlete, that you weren't necessarily a really, a really good athlete. And I think definitely one of the things that I learned from that process um, is just the quality and the caliber of the sports and the competition that exists at any level when you think about the fact of how many athletes aren't recruited to go to college at all. Right.
0: Right yeah and we played against some big boys, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, regardless of the division that we played, I mean, we still played high quality football <laughs> uh, and played against some great competition. We, we, also we competed ourselves during that whole time
1: yep, exactly, exactly.
0: and then in that in that space, I mean again, you you were three time all league. Uh, throughout your playing time there you know you got opportunities pretty much freshman year getting ready getting to play and travel and things of that nature um and then your game you didn't stop (laughs) you didn't stop playing I know a lot of folks on our team especially uh during the time that we played got a chance to play overseas which I I, that's an amazing experience to come to happen you know so how did you even get to the point where you're And coming to the final season, uh, senior year at Willamette, and then you were like, you know what? I have this opportunity to play overseas. Talk a little bit about that process, and then I want to hear about your journey overseas playing ball there too.
1: Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, we had a couple of teammates who had the opportunity to continue to play um, Europe and Mexico um, in different places, and that was something, because as a, as a student playing sports, I didn't get the chance to study abroad, was part of my education that I was really interested in getting to see the world a little bit more. And so, first for me, I approached the coaches about the opportunity to play an All Star game in Mexico, and was like, "Hey, I know a couple of our guys did this last year. Could you uh, put me up on this opportunity?" And so I had to do that. And then, actually, after graduating, one of our uh, my position coach had the opportunity. Um, he went to coach uh, as a head coach of a team in Germany and reached out to me on Facebook and was like, hey, but you want to come over here and join our squad? And I was like, well, yeah, if I had the opportunity. And so they hooked me up with a flight, um, housing, um, brought me over, and I just had the opportunity to continue my playing career and add a really unique personal experience um, playing over in Germany in northern Germany in a city um, called Lubeck, um, which is near Hamburg. And uh, our team actually won um, our division had an opportunity to go through something that's called relegation, which um, if people are familiar with European soccer, it's where you have the opportunity to actually move up a division if you win your game. And one of the things that they do similar to soccer over there is that if a team's not very good and they're not able to compete, you don't actually get to stay at the division and the level that you're at. You get bumped down. Or if you are a really strong squad, you have the opportunity to move up to a higher division and compete against better competition. So our team was able to to win our division, go into a relegation game and compete in a a level what you would call kind of like a playoffs.
0: Wow. That's what's up.
1: So how long did you play in overseas? Yeah, it was really cool. I only played for one season. uh, So I was over there uh, for about four months Mm -hmm. um, through the summer and into the fall. Um, But like I said, it was a unique opportunity to get to go to Europe. Um, I lived in Germany, but actually got to travel um, to Italy and a couple other countries. Um, got to see Berlin and in different parts of, of Germany as well and have that really unique uh, personal um, travel and cultural experience. I um, was over there actually with one of our, our teammates, uh, Jose Green, who played running back with, with me and played with us um, at Yeah. I had the opportunity to do that um, with the friends, so that was really cool. And because my ability was just to play football, I didn't have to have a job, I didn't have other responsibilities. They were just paying me to play and making sure I was able to live and have a good experience. That's cool.
0: How different is playing ball in Germany than it is in the U.S. or even just in college? Like, how different was it for you?
1: Um, The main difference was obviously the language barrier. Um, Not everybody speaking English was, was different. But the rules in general were NCAA rules, so very similar rules. Uh, Most of the coaches um, were actually Americans that had come over to teach uh, people from Germany the game. So a lot of um, the terminology and understanding was to what um, I was used to. And because our head coach was actually someone who had coached in the system that I was familiar with. It was the same plays, same terminology, same system. So I was really able to jump right in and take over as a lead running back and be able to help our team uh, be competitive and continue to win. That's good. Wow, that's helpful.
0: You got friends, you got the same system, the same game, and you just had an opportunity just to go over there and ball out, which is pretty awesome. I mean,
1: just yeah, pretty much <laughs> best as you can,
0: feel comfortable, you know, obviously, with the language and the new country, but you gotta go over there and just play the game, which is that's pretty amazing. pretty amazing. Um, but I know, I mean, as you stated, you played one year, so uh, the, the, eventually the game ended, and I know a lot of. People at least that I talked to especially you know you and I, we were in the same circles. A lot of friends who played ball over the years um, eventually got to hang up the jersey. So, what? Just could you speak a little bit about that realization when you knew that it, ah, you know it's time to hang up the jersey? Um, how did like what was your thought process in that? Was it an easy transition for you? Was it something that you automatically knew? Um, was it difficult? Talk a little bit about that that transition.
1: Yeah, well, I think one of the things I said earlier, like I never expected to be recruited to play college. The first place, my thought process going in was just how much it was a privilege to be able to have that opportunity. And then very similarly with going over and playing in Mexico and then in Germany, those weren't things that I expected either. And so it was really just kind of the, the icing on the cake, so to speak, or cherry on top and just adding the opportunity to continue to be competitive. I think definitely after after going to Germany, there was that inkling of maybe staying and trying to continue to play or thinking about CFL or Arena League or some of those things. I put out some feelers um, for some of those opportunities and didn't get much response um, with CFL or Arena League. I did have some conversations uh, with going back to Europe, but also it was just the fact of um, you have a life back home. and um, significant other or partner, um, friends, family, and thinking about what that means in terms of leaving. Also, career aspirations and additional educational goals. So it got to the point where because I wasn't getting the strong interest um, for certain places, I wasn't sure I wanted to spend that that much time in Europe. Where you realize, hey, I, I got to start my life, and I want to want to do something different but um, i think in some ways uh significantly for me and nicely for me is that i always approached it recognizing that that wouldn't be my entire life and that it was going to end at some point point. and so i wasn't hanging my hat on that in in a particular way of thinking okay this is something i need to build myself around i was always thinking about other avenues that i could pursue and other things that i'd be interested in so the entire time that i was in college i, I worked I did internships, I had opportunities to do research, I spread myself across the campus. You mentioned um the they were part of being in the community in different ways. Right. And so my network and my circle expanded at the same time that oh, I need to go do something else. I was well prepared to be able to make that transition and go at um uh life in a in a different direction without feeling like I wasn't necessarily ready or capable. That's awesome. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, because I know, you know, and we, you and I talked about this off mic of just the differences in having your identity wrapped up in certain things and how to approach situations. And um, especially in this context where, you know, athletics was our lives, you know, it was everything and everything is a part time job and then some, you know, on top of school, on top of everything else. But uh, I really do appreciate your mindset and perspective on, you know, it's not the end all, all end all, you know, and then there's other things beyond that, beyond the game that you can attach yourself to, or just be a part of. And that whatever opportunity comes your way, you're willing to assess it and make the determination of um, going into it, making the most out of that opportunity. And obviously, I mean, (laughs) look what football took you, you know, all across the world, you got to play different places, different arenas, and just that chance to, go along for the ride, but know, not knowing that that's not the only ride, you know, so I appreciate you staying that and talking a little bit about that in your journey. Um, and then you were talking a little bit about some of the things that you associated yourself with, with internships and opportunities in the community. Um, and so now that the jersey is hung up, uh, one of the things I, I definitely wanted to ask you is, you know, what did you think that you would be doing outside of sports? Like, What was the, what was the, the career path that you were looking to get into?
1: Sports have been a part of my life for a long time. I thought working in sports in other ways, like maybe thinking about sports medicine or sports management, um, getting into um, the business side or um, the other side of sports. I actually dabbled in coaching um, for a short time, uh, but going to Germany actually pulled me away from that. Uh, And so I thought about sports maybe as a continuing um, opportunity for my career. Also looked into things like business and marketing, maybe sales, communications, um, opportunities to continue to work with people and kind of use that competitive edge um, in a different lens um, and was thinking about for actually uh, quite a bit of time pursuing an MBA and maybe doing something um, in that particular field. Um, but I actually got some really great advice from one of our um, fraternity brothers who also played football with us, um, Hearst, you might remember. Um, and he he had pursued his, uh, his, his uh, profession um, in kind of the financial sector And he actually asked me, he's like, well, why do you want an MBA? Like, what do you want to do? And I told him, well, I think I might want to get into marketing. He's like, well, if you think you want to do that and you're not 100% certain, don't waste your time going to get an MBA if you're not really committed to it. Don't spend that money. Don't make that investment. That's not really what you want to do. And that was actually some of the best advice I got um, kind of early as I was transitioning out of college and thinking about what was next. And so I I waited a bit um, before I decided to, to go on and think about um, additional education, which I eventually did do, but um, kind of took my life after college. I'm pursuing a few different things. I did some stuff in financial services. We talked about going over to Germany. I worked in banking for a short time. I um, actually ended up working um, in the education sector briefly. I'm in high schools, uh, which I currently work in higher ed now, which we'll talk about moving forward, mm-hmm. but also spent some time um, directly related to my degree in psychology, working in health and human services and doing things as a caseworker um, in child services, which is a really unique and challenging um, work perspective to take on. So I really bounced around um, in a lot of different um, sectors of professional spheres as I tried to navigate, what is it that I really want to kind of hang my hat on and really um, engage with and make uh, my professional life around before I finally found something that I could really um, sink my teeth into and say, okay, this is my thing.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, your resume definitely shows (laughs) that you tried different. But I I don't want I don't want to sort of think that you were just trying something to try and something. I I think even it's a question I want to ask you is, you know, what's the if you were to look back on some of the highlighted areas that you mentioned, like in the financial services, um, in coaching and working in high schools and even in uh, for child services uh, caseworker. Do you see a thread in at least some of the things, in some of those situations, like um, a thread of what you wanted to do, or, or you know you know what I'm saying? Like, did you see like, kind of see a, a pattern or a path in some of those uh, activities and some of those uh, career choices?
1: Yeah, a lot of it I was uh, wanting to help people in different ways, wanting to engage and be able to be a resource um, for folks. Um, I'm definitely um, coming from a challenging financial background uh, being a person of color going to a predominantly um, white institution in terms of um, Willamette's demographic makeup Mm -hmm. like I was really interested in what are ways that I can reach back to my community and be able to give back and um, all the jobs I took on were opportunities to be able to help different populations of people but in particular thinking about black and brown um, young people or black and brown communities and how I can be a valuable resource, whether it be helping with money and their finances, working in schools and being able to be a resource and helping kids get their education. As a caseworker, some of the most um, truly challenged individuals think about the most vulnerable population kids and finding themselves in really negative and positions, and needing somebody to come in in that moment of a real challenge in that emergency situation and get them to a safe place. Like while that was very hard personally and I think it'd be difficult for anybody, it's a place where you really need somebody that cares and somebody who is going to work hard to be able to get a young person out of a bad situation and get them into a better situation in that immediate. And so I think all of the, the work that I did was around how do I engage people, how do I help people, how do I about provide them something to get them to a better situation. While well, they were all very different things, I think I sought out different things because one I wasn't a hundred percent certain what I wanted to build a career around. And so I wanted to try some different things. I think there was search that existed there. But the common thread was all around helping people engage in the communities. And in particular, how do I find opportunities to be able to give back to communities like my own?
0: You got the opportunity, well, because you went to Harvard. You, got, you went to Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, master's <laughs> in education at Harvard, which is an amazing uh, accomplishment to. To obtain, to obtain, to achieve, uh, and again, with that mentality and mindset of how to best serve underrepresented first-generation students, um, especially the back of Brown students, uh, folks that, you know, are very similar to our identities. Uh, so I'm, I'm really interested to in hearing, you know, again, that your time at Harvard and how that has shaped you today, and then some of the work that you're currently doing now. So how, does, how did you get to Harvard, and how did Harvard help your current work uh, at Colgate University?
1: the Harvard thing, as you said, huge accomplishment, very proud of that. But actually, again, um, came about in kind of a weird um, set of circumstances. So after working um, at the state, being a caseworker for a year, I just realized this isn't for me. Taxing, it was kind of an everyday roller coaster from a social-emotional standpoint. I was like, I got to do something else. Mm -hmm. And so I actually looked back um, to our alma mater and thinking about what would be a good fit. And I was like, this is a place that I love, a place that gave me so much. And admissions office just happened to be hiring. And as I tell people all the time, I had no relationship with admissions besides them letting me in. I wasn't an intern there. I wasn't a tour guide. I didn't work in that office as an intern, which a lot of people who work in admissions, that was their entryway is engaging with the admission office as a student volunteer. I didn't have any of that. Right. But I knew admissions was a great opportunity to learn about the institution to be able to get back to the institution, and also would be a great entree um into education, which is something um I had actually one of the reasons I took the job at the state was I was really interested in that point after working in schools of potentially becoming a school counselor and the reason I had worked at the state is because the state of Oregon actually has a partnership. The um, Portland State University to be able to earn your master's in social work paid for by the state, which your MSW is one of the degree, degrees you can use in order to become a school counselor and have the certification that you need professionally in terms of licensure. And so I was actually working at the state with that ambition in mind to work there long enough, be able to get into the MSW program, get that paid for for free. And then I was going to dip out and become a school counselor and be able to give back to a community in a particularly different way but ran against, um, like I said, some of the challenges of that work. And was like, okay, this isn't for me, but if I work in admissions, this will still give you the avenue to have a level of expertise to go back and work in, in high schools. And so I actually worked in admissions at Willamette for about two and a half years, um, loved the experience, Got a lot of great tutelage and mentorship, um, was able to reconnect back with the community in a different way and be able to give back, which was really, really fun. And also the admissions work in particular, um, you get to travel, meet people from all over the country, um, be able to spread your message and spread positivity, be a great resource for students as you're trying to move through the college process. And so after um, two years there, one of my direct uh, supervisors, um, she actually reached out to me and she's like, Jameer, you need to apply to these programs. And the three that she told me Stanford, Harvard, Columbia. He's like, go get your master's in higher education. These are the three best schools. This is where you should be. I see the talent in you. And just really, really believed in me. And actually thought was, well, these places will never let me in. Because not that I was a bad student at Willamette, but I was just, I was a B-plus student. I wasn't a, an A-plus A student. I didn't have a 4.0. Um, I had done well um, throughout my junior and senior year, but my first couple of years, it took me some time to transition, which for a lot of, from a similar background as mine, that's that's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. But I felt like that, those level of schools would admit somebody who didn't have the perfect transcript, the perfect GPA. But um, she continued to push me, and she continued to challenge me and actually connected me directly with another alum of the program who, um, actually gave me a recommendation to the admission office and gave me that boost to support me. But actually one of the interesting things is I I didn't apply to Harvard initially. I applied um, to Arizona State um, in their Graduate School of Education, which is also a very reputable program. And because I was so uncertain that I would actually get into a graduate school, when I got the letter of admission from ASU, I kid you not, man, I cried Mm. because I just didn't think I had done well enough to prepare myself to even be competitive in the admissions process to get in anywhere. And I actually deferred that admission for a year, ended up applying to Harvard, and I also applied to Stanford. And so when I got the letter of admission from Harvard, it wasn't that I wasn't as excited, but it meant more to me just to be able to get in that first time around. And of course, I ended up going to Harvard, as you said. I ended up choosing that opportunity. but. I, I don't tell anyone the the letter from Arizona State meant so much more because I think that level for me of what they call imposter syndrome and just not feeling good enough had made me feel the weight of that I, I wouldn't be able to get that opportunity to pursue my master's degree. And so just getting in somewhere really meant me. And then going to Harvard, being able to step foot has such a level of prestige and such a high quality reputation um, the cohort that i was a part of the group of 50 that i went in with those are some of my closest friends in the profession still people that i look up to and admire and have been great supports on um, some of the faculty that i engage with really challenging uh, me to think about education and higher education in particular from a lot of different lenses and actually had a really cool opportunity you remember um, president lee pelton who was the president at Willamette for our first three years before President Forsett took over. He's currently the president at Emerson College, which is in Boston. Uh, actually, when I realized um, he was so close, I reached out to the general email, president at emerson.edu. was like, hey, you probably don't remember me. but I remember you walking around campus at Willamette. He had so much swagger and was so cool and so smart. And I just reached out I was like, hey, I'll never forget you walking around campus put your glasses on and the letterman president jacket on. Is there any way that we could get together and that we can meet up and I could just pick your brain a little bit. But he's now become. And anytime I'm back in the Boston area, he and I get together because he actually just from that general email, a half hour later, reached back out to me and said, I remember seeing you on the football field. Yes, let's make an appointment. You come through. We'll have a conversation whenever you want.
0: Awesome. Man. That's awesome. There's so much in there. <laughs> especially <when laughs> this one. Houghton did have some swag. That man was swag. Just fly walking on the sidelines, man. That was awesome. <laughs> but what I appreciate about your story is that, you know, especially in this piece, and and, and I, what I'm witnessing is a common thread across um your time till now, it's just how you had so many people believing in you you know yeah so many people who see you who see who you are and see the not just potential but just like what what you can be what you could accomplish and then um i know that there took some opportunity for you to uh not necessarily i don't want to say like you have to realize that within you but like you just took the next step towards uh Living in that and saying, you know what, yeah, like I, I may feel uncomfortable in this space, but I'm at least going to give it a shot. And somebody believes in me, so I have an opportunity to connect in there. But that's what I appreciate the fact that you know you have the drive, you have the initiative, and people see that within you and, and want to help get you to the next level. Um, and seeing the best in you, which is amazing. Uh, so now we're now at Harvard, and you, you know, you're at Harvard, you're doing your thing out there, and then you have to graduate eventually. You said, I think the Harvard, you mentioned the Harvard program is just a one-year program. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's an accelerated master's. I'm three of programs that my supervisor of lamb had pushed me towards are all one year, which really ends up encompassing nine months. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a grind because it's a, what would normally be a two-year program condensed into one accelerated year.
0: <laughs> wow. That's crazy. So then you get through the year pretty quickly, because I do remember, (laughs) remember you leaving, I remember you coming back, obviously (laughs) a lot more, it's in between there, but, but the fact that went out there and doing that, um, how did you, so, and you mentioned quite a bit in the higher education world, you kind of have to go where the job goes, you know, like you, yes, you can have your ideal place and ideal space that you will want to be uh, a part of the campus, a part of the community, but at the same time, to work your way up, you have to, you know, like, bounce around a little bit and find the right opportunity in that way. So what did that process look like when you finished graduating? You're out there in the New England area and you're like, okay, I got this Harvard degree. Now what am I going to do?
1: Well, I think for me, I approached it differently than I know some of my peers did. I think definitely, as you said, like going where the job is, is, is one of the perspectives to take. I know some people, actually took leaves of absences from the jobs that they were in and went right back to um, where they came from because you mentioned the short program some people did something like that other people had particular locations maybe not a college in particular or university of mine but like a state or a city and so you kind of put yourself in this box and trying to find particular opportunities and while the the harvard degree goes a long way you're still you're still competing with national Um, applicant pools, when you think about some of these jobs that are opening up. And so I was very much, hey, I've I've lived in several different states. There's not a particular place I feel like I need to be. I'll keep my options open. So I actually applied for jobs back in Oregon and Washington, California, North Carolina, Texas, New York, Chicago. I even looked at some things in Canada and Europe. Um, I was just kind of like, I'll go anywhere, wherever the job is, I'm going to be open. I'm going to push myself. I've lived in a couple of different places. I'm not going to limit the opportunities for me. Mm-hmm. And I also, um, didn't mention this earlier, but had to consider uh, my partner, uh, now my fiance. We've gotten engaged in the last couple of years. Janie was back in Oregon, which is where she grew up and where she's from. And we had spent that year apart and they we're thinking about, okay, how do we come back together? And so there was some conversation between us about comfortability. And I was fortunate enough to actually get two job offers. Mm -hmm. Um, I had an offer in uh, New York, uh, upstate New York, near Syracuse at Colgate University, and also had an offer down in Texas with a charter school network called Uplist uh, Charter Schools based out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so I was um, really in a a very, very fortunate position because I actually got both of these job offers before the end of the school year. And so while some of my peers are still, as we were getting into May and then into the summer trying to find opportunities, I had secured two different offers and had my pick to be able to decide, do I want to move to Texas or do I want to move to New York? And um, Danny and I together made the decision that we're going to move here to upstate New York um, and take on the role at uh, Colgate University, where I've been now for a little over two years.
0: That's awesome. And so at Colgate now, you know, you are doing some good work with, again, like we talked about generational students, uh, black and brown students of the area, a lot of similar demographics as us. Uh, so what what specifically does that work look like for you? And, and talk a little bit about how that, how your upbringing kind of helps connect with those students.
1: Yeah, so the work, so my focus, I lead our strategic efforts out of the admissions office um, looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion in the admissions recruitment process. And so I think about um, communication to um, the students from diverse backgrounds and demographics, so messaging, emails, also programming on campus. Um, we do something called a fly in program, which a lot of colleges offer to bring in students from diverse backgrounds, low income backgrounds to campus, um, to be able to see the campus up close uh, for students who normally wouldn't be able to afford an opportunity. I run one of those programs also do programming and partnerships with community-based organizations and charter networks like the one that hired me. I actually work closely with them down in Texas now where we sign formal agreements talking about how we're going to recruit their students, different programs that we're going to commit to, and different um, financial aid um, programs that we're going to commit to to be able to make it affordable for their students. So I work on those contracts and help build new relationships and new outreach opportunities organizations across the country and then also i work um, on professional development and training for our staff to think about things like implicit bias in the process and thinking about things like microaggressions and being culturally competent and culturally aware and working with students from different demographics i've also been able to be pulled up out of my office larger institutional strategic goals around diversity equity and inclusion Uh, Within a couple of different working groups and task force. I'm a part of a smaller group of about 10 people now that's looking at university-wide training and professional development when you think about diversity and inclusion issues and been able to be a part of thinking about the strategic efforts for the entire campus and not just for my office. And it's been a really great opportunity to expand and to learn and to grow and to be challenged because some of the stuff are things that I've never been used to before in terms of being able to work some of these areas. For me in terms of my background uh, one of the things that brings for me is coming from a similar community some of these students is just a level of empathy understanding approachability that i think goes a long way for some of these students um i've had kids um email me and tell me they look up to me in the work that we're doing and they admire some of the things that i brought or that they're able to approach me and ask me questions the way that i think they wouldn't be if i didn't um look like them or identify with them in these particular ways it's also um allowed me to be able to challenge uh, my staff and be able to say hey this is not the way that we need to do this this isn't actually how we should think about this and sometimes that means being difficult and maybe being the bad guy but i know that if we don't come at things from a particular angle we're not going to have these students look at us as a viable option and just continuing to challenge the status quo and continue to challenge the idea of this is the way that we've always done things because i know the way that we've always done things has not necessarily got us to the places that we need to be and so it's just allowed me to come with a level of confidence and vigor um, to not and to not just sit on my hands and not be quiet, but to continue to push because some in some instances, I know better, even though some of these people have 20, 30 more years experience than I do. And it's like, I lived it. I know what this is like. I'm from those communities. I understand these students but also um, a level of humility to the process to listen to counselors, to listen to students, to listen to some of the community leaders that I work directly with. And sometimes take a step back and say, hey, I don't know better, but I want to, and I want to learn, and I want to bring your perspective to campus. And while you may not be able to make those changes because you're not there, if you tell me what I need to do and what I need to be thinking about and how I should approach it, I'll take it up the ladder for you and make sure that we're doing work In a more consistent, empathetic, and strategic way, in order to serve students better. Love it.
0: Bruh, I hear the passion. I hear the passion in the voice. (laughs) That's awesome, man. (laughs) A lot of it, like you just stated, you're an advocate for the students, advocate for uh, just being able to see others succeed in that space. And I think that, as you stated, just your your background and upbringing, having that lens and being critical with the systems that we're a part of, helps weigh in on that and be able to help share and create the necessary structures for the success of students uh, moving up in the world. So, uh, in your institutions and outside of the institutions, so that's excellent, man. I'm I'm juiced about that. So, as we, you know, we have a couple more sections here that I definitely want to get to. What I, one thing I want to ask you is about the goals that you have. So, you're in you're in the current space. Um, and I don't want to necessarily say, you know, I don't want to take you away from that space, but what goals do you have uh, being in this particular role, uh, in the role or just in your current context? And then what are some of the long-term goals that you have for yourself on your career?
1: Yeah, so shorter-term goals right now, one of the things I'm working towards is you talk about being able to build um, that platform and being able to continue to push some of those conversations is um, – conference proposals, workshops, and student opportunities, Um, in particular things geared towards students of color, students from low-income backgrounds, first-generation students, and being able to work with uh, the colleagues in the admission space, people working on the other side, in schools and community-based organizations, and kind of bring meeting of the minds to be able to speak beyond just the campuses that we work on, but to provide a wider lens and network to think about some of these particular issues. Because one of the great things with something like university admissions is a lot of the the progress that's made um, allows for groups of institutions to move forward in particular ways together or people following the pattern of the leadership of one institution who sets the mold or who is a trailblazer. And One of the things that I hope to be able to do is I gain more experience, gain more following and gain more support on my own campus is to be able to make Colgate one of those schools that is a trailblazer and is a leader and isn't necessarily following um, the stewardship and the leadership of someone else, but being able to set the tone and continue to push our institution to be critical, to look in the mirror, to think about some of these conversations from different perspective, so we can be the place that people look to and um, can really see as a change agent in some of this work. And we definitely have a, a lot of hurdles to, to overcome to get there, but I've been really happy with the progress that we've made in just the, the short time that I've been able to be a part of the community and the longer term actually um, that uh, engagement with President Pelton both as a student and now um, as a direct mentor has gotten me really thinking closely about being a university president one day or some other senior um, leadership type of position at a a university or within um, a university system and be able to think about the impact that it makes to see somebody who looks like you in the leadership role, on the campus, engaging with the community, and what that can can do for young black and brown scholars thinking about where they might go. Mm -hmm. And um, just really wanting the opportunity to be able to have that same impact and that same type of influence that President Pelton has had on me and be able to be that person for someone else. But also thinking about as a university president, especially at some of the top colleges across the country, type of impact and influences you can have well beyond just the borders of your campus and how you can um, encourage and inspire things around policy and politics right you can inspire things in the social and human services realm i know a president uh, who actually was a part of a class that i took at harvard we had something called a president in residence and he was kind of a guest lecturer speaker and teacher in one of my courses and he actually um, his background um, is caribbean descent and he actually had the opportunity to help them found their board of education um their office of, of education for their government and he went down and helped them create their education sector and their education for the entire country and thinking about that type of influence that a university president president can have because of their direct connection to a region to a country to a part of the world that floored me to know that that even exists in the world and got me even more excited about the opportunity and the type of influence that you could have from a university leadership perspective.
0: Man, that's wild. President Abney. Right? Right. (laughs) President Dr. Abney, you know, I I don't know how you gonna put the doctor, the prefix in front of that, but I you know, we'll we'll, we'll have to get to the the higher, higher education part. We'll talk about that another time, but I mean, I love the (laughs) goals man that's awesome because that speaks to you know current state and and what the things you are doing immediately to impact the lives of others and then how that will shape the trajectory towards influencing you know a campus and even a larger educational system you know so man that's great that's great you know when when my children get a little older you know (laughs) i ain't ready to think about this yet because i got you know they're, they're three and six months but you know, by the time they get to college age I'll, I'll be sure to figure out what school you're at and uh see how can we get them connected there to be under your leadership because that'll be amazing that'll be an amazing thing to be a part of man um
1: hey i welcome them so, with open arms <laughs>
0: <laughs> as we uh, wrap up the podcast uh in this particular episode what i want to do is to circle back um so you know we started this journey this conversation about your athletic ventures of how it led to your career path here. Um, and what I would like for you to do is, um, if, you know, you got the floor to speak to that student uh, who's in their final year of their college career of their sport, you know, and just kind of preparing for that next step. What advice do you have for them in preparing for life after college, for life after sport in general, uh, and just some of the things that you would like to share to that individual.
1: Well, obviously, if you're if you an athlete, and especially if you're a recruited athlete, definitely make that a priority. Like, that's important. Compete at the highest level, get the most out of it. Definitely make sure you're showing that commitment um, so you can be recruited and you can have that opportunity at the next level. But also recognize you can't give every waking moment to that particular sport. You want to be grateful for the opportunity to play you want to take advantage of it you want to suck up those moments and those memories so you have no regrets but you also got to make sure that you open up your time for other things and take advantage of all that a college and a university has to offer you can study abroad and go to see a different country like take advantage of those opportunities especially um, many schools that will pay for you to be able to go and have those experiences and if you're at a smaller school like the one that we went to where your classes are small professors are teaching all of the courses, there's office hours where you can drop in and get to talk with um, professors and build those, mentor-mentee relationships, make sure you develop those because those are the people that are going to write your letters of recommendation or we are going to introduce you to folks in the particular career field that you might be interested in and help you get that leg up that you need in order to make that transition into the career that you're looking for. Also, because of that access, do research, find those internships, get those hands-on experiences, utilize that small network to be able to get ahead and get your feet wet in the areas that you're interested in so that even if you didn't have an actual formal job, you have actual experience. You have practical engagement that's going to make you marketable for the jobs that you're looking for. And more broadly, just make sure you harbor and pursue other interests. Like You definitely want to be a true student-athlete get good grades, get the most out of your academics, but also engage with peers beyond your teammates. Work of friends and community members that goes beyond just the people on the sport that you're playing because that's the network that you're also going to be able to tap into to be able to get into the job market or maybe a person who's going to hire you down the road or a person who's going to be able to answer questions for you as you're trying to figure out How do I get into this particular field? Or how do I learn these things? And not to say that your teammates can't do some of that as well, but you don't want to limit yourself. You want to make your web as big as you can. Because once you're an alum and you have that degree and you have that on your your resume, that's another network that you can tap into, but only if you actually built relationships with those people. It's much harder to cold call than it is to reach out to somebody that you were in a class with, or that you hung out with on the weekends, or that you did research with or interned with. So definitely take advantage of those opportunities.
0: That's awesome, man. That's awesome, man. I yeah, I just imagine myself being in being a, a young lad in college, <laughs> uh, looking at these words and hearing these words from you. Just how much that would be a, a fuel and a fire and inspiration too, and even just being able to see your trajectory um, of of what life has taken you and the actions and steps that you're taking. And you're not even done yet. Like you ain't even 30 yet. You're 29, right? Like you, you, you young out here doing big things, Yep, (laughs) doing big things, man. And I'm trying,
1: man. I'm trying.
0: Hey, yo, man, you're, you're what I appreciate. um, Not only just this uh, interview, but just also your friendship uh, and, and for us connecting on and, so long ago on the field and off the field and just continuing our friendship this way. Um, I know you and I, we got a lot of things to celebrate here in the future, uh, including your marriage, including your wedding. So I'm excited for that. But, uh, and some of just other accomplishments that I know are going to come your way, man. So where can people find you, uh, online where, you know, you're dropping this knowledge, you're dropping these hints, uh, and, and helping, uh, people get connected with you and hopefully offer you an opportunity to come speak to them, speak to their students or speak to their staff. Where can people find you online?
1: So um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm on Facebook and Twitter as well. If you just search my name, there are not a lot of Jameer Abney's that are out there. Um, my handle on Instagram is jamabney 26 um, I'm at day 26 on Twitter. Uh, but if you just search Jameer Abney, I'm pretty easy to find. There's not a lot of me out there. Uh, also, um, you might see me um, socially, uh, the Black and Highly Dangerous podcast, BHD uh, is a podcast that I've been a, a guest on a couple of times, really love them if you want to check them out. Just some of the work that they do looking at pop culture, um, academic academia, uh, political conversation and how it integrates with the black community. Some really great stuff there uh, with a current Harvard PhD student and a professor um, here in the area, actually up in upstate New York um, at SUNY Newport. One of the state universities up here. That's another place that you might see me. Um, I've also had some opportunities to blog a little bit. Um, my blog, um, Musings of Higher Education, um, is on Twitter as well. Um, we talk about some advocacy issues around the education sphere. I've done that in collaboration with some other um, peers from the Harvard community. But, um, generally, because of my work in admissions, you can find me on the Colgate website. you might see me on the road um and some of the work that i I started to try to do, broadening um, my community aspects um and trying to speak um, more broadly to communities and populations beyond just the ones that I recruit in so yeah, if you ever um, find an interest or have questions trying to understand this higher education stuff, um I'm a nerd around it I love this stuff it it trust me beyond um, paid to do the work, so if you have just find me at Colgate.eu. You can search me there and I'll be happy to answer any questions that you may have. Love I it. love it. I'll make sure to link
0: uh, your social as well as some of the episodes you've been on with the Black and Highly Dangerous podcast, which I highly recommend. That is a dope podcast as well. Uh, not just because you were on it, just because they do have a dope podcast. So I'll definitely link that. And, oh yeah, they do good stuff. <laughs> uh, and we'll be sure to have some opportunities for people to connect with you in that space. Um, but again, I just wanna uh, again say thank you so much, Jameer, for taking the time to share your story, share a little bit about the work that you're doing here, um here uh, in at Colgate in the world for students around. Uh and I'll be sure to connect with you soon, man. So thank you so thank you again so much for being on the podcast.
1: Of course, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. A very
0: Thanks so much for listening to On The Mic with Ray White. And before you leave, I got a few asks for you. First, connect with me on social media and let me know what your thoughts are on this episode. You can find me on my personal page at Ray Devante on all social accounts. And this podcast at Podcast on Instagram. Next, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening device. Make sure that you go ahead and find On The Mic with Gray White on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and make sure that you let me know that you're listening. And finally, share this episode with a friend. Take the time to send them a link or tag them on your social media platforms and start the conversation around them, around the reflective topics and the questions on this episode. Thanks so much, and don't forget to share your story with others. Peace.